0: Welcome in to the Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast. Thomas Miller here, and I've got an interesting topic that those of you particularly who are interested in reconciling religious backgrounds with your spiritual walk today might be interested in. Because something came across my path that I wanted to just pass on. I haven't really had time to vet this for myself And I don't know that I will. I don't know that that's my highest and best timeline right now. But I do think it is something that we will get a very good lesson here. And also, it is something that you might want to spend some time on yourself looking into this. Before we get into this, could I make one request? Those of you who have never left a comment on iTunes and you like what we're doing here, would you mind taking just a few minutes to share some love? That really helps keep the podcast prominent and up there, and I mean, even though we've been doing this for coming up on ten years now, can you believe it? Next spring will be our ten year anniversary. There still is a lot of, there are a lot of people nipping now at the at the term subconscious mind, and I'd like to just stay up there and be rewarded for all the work that we've put in over the years and your comments, your favorable comments, and five star reviews. Help us do that. If you don't like what we're doing, well, I'd appreciate an email. Thomas at Subconscious Mind Mastery will get it done. And let's talk about it. Thank you in advance. I came across somebody who many of you probably know, but I didn't. First introduction. Guy by the name of Alan Watts. Born in England in 1915 and died in California in 1973. And in those only 58 years, he packed a lot in, including something kind of near and dear to my heart, that he was a programmer of a radio station in Berkeley, California. He wrote more than 25 books. He explored the various religions, the various major religions, before finally settling into Buddhism for his own spiritual practice. He wrote a couple of books in the late 1950s, and early 60s. Now think about that. ...related to psychedelics. His son maintains a website in his honor with his materials, alanwatts.org... ...and you can also find several of his recordings on YouTube. Now, I took a look at their copyright because obviously he died in 1973... ...so this is not public domain material. Seems like for a use like this that they are pretty liberal in their copyright grant... Uh, But I didn't have the time or want to go through contacting them and all of that. So I'm going to just give you a synopsis of this one video that I heard. And then what they suggest, and I certainly concur, I I really appreciate his son keeping this legacy alive. I totally get that. But it's alanwatts.org. And just go there and you'll get the source. And then there are plenty of videos and audios and all kinds of things there about him. But... This video that I found on YouTube was called Alan Watts Opens Up About Religion, Thought-Provoking. In it, he basically challenges the establishment of what we today call the Bible. And I'll get to that in a second. And this is not a podcast where we're going to be attacking Christianity or the Bible or anything else. In fact, quite the contrary. I'm trying to figure out how to weave and integrate it but to do it in the context of what it really is, not what it is not. And then he gets to a bottom line, and I'm going to give you the bottom line just so that you know in advance this is where we're going, that the bottom line is that Jesus' ministry, first of all, he believes did happen, and then secondly was to show us that we are divine. And that message was stricken from the record if you will, when the canon of Scripture, the Bible, was put together. So let's come back here and just go through. I made some notes. I just jotted notes down to myself, so I thought maybe I could read through this. Now, look, I just want to respect their space. You can go there to their site and get the information. I'm going to give you the skeleton. This is the Cliff Note version, because a lot of us, myself absolutely included, have struggled with this at various points in our life. Some have resolved this issue for themselves, and many have not. I've heard from many of you who say that this material has meant so much to you to help work through that grip of what held you back in the church. And, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you go back to the beginning, those beginning episodes, you know how much of a hold this had on me for a half of a century. So a good starting place for this is if somebody says, well, I believe in Jesus, or I'm a Christian, or I believe in the Bible. We think about, well, where did the Bible come from? Well, it came from God. And that was the answer. It absolutely was taught to me many times, many ways. The Bible was the inspired Word of God. It was written in 66 books by approximately 40 authors, I say approximately because a couple of the authorships are not absolutely certain, in, at least in historical terms. 39 of the books are in the Old Testament, so mostly Jewish history. 27 in the New Testament, introducing Jesus as the fulfillment of the prophecies for Messiah, his life, death, resurrection, and the ministry of the church in the years following his ascension back to heaven. And then, of course, the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation, is a prophetic outlook of things ahead, maybe things that we are involved in right now, like digital currency. But how did that Bible come together? And this is where many Christians don't know the answer to that. Some might say, well, it was a collection of Jewish history over the years. It's just been handed down. Well, how did it get included in the book that we still have today? And it is quite remarkable that this book has withstood 2,000 years of time. We have buried our loved ones with this book. We've gotten married with this book. We've been sworn into office in various places in the world with this book. We have found great comfort and direction through this book. And at other times, we have created wars and killed for this book. So there's no question that the Bible has had a significant impact on the last two millennia. But let me ask again, where did it come from? (laughs) And this is where Alan Watts starts this. And this is why it caught my attention right off the bat because he said that the Jews closed the canon on the Old Testament around 100 A.D. at the Synod or the Council of Jamnia. So you can look all this up, and you can look the the video up. I'm not going into the details of this stuff here. We don't have time. But there they decided which books of the Old Testament were going to be included in the canon of the Masoretic text. Now, we could go way down into the woods on this, so let's don't, and I'll leave you with a lot of room to do your own research. That was the Old Testament, the 39 books of the Old Testament, which had been accumulated and written and passed down through Jewish history for thousands, literally thousands of years. Now, the New Testament. Remember, you had the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD from where Constantine basically made Christianity the official state religion of the Roman Empire. That was 325. But in 382 AD, so 55 years later, 57 years later, that is when the actual books of the New Testament were finalized at the Senate of Rome under Pope Damasus. The other thing that Watts said that just grabbed my attention was that, The Catholic Church. I mean, you can just go to the Wikipedia article on the Senate of Rome 382 AD and you will see it was a land grab by the Catholic Church. So the Catholic Church decided by the authority of the Holy Spirit what was going to be in the Bible. In fact, listen to just this one line from Wikipedia. This is the decree, the beginning of the decree. Now we must treat Of the divine scriptures, what the universal Catholic Church accepts and what she ought to shun. The order of the Old Testament begins here. Genesis, book one, dot, dot, dot. It goes on. And of course, it's plainly mentioned that those books that were left out, including the one namesake of moi, myself, the book of Thomas, (laughs) the book of Enoch, the Gnostic Gospels, which basically pointed to more of a spiritual experience coming from within and controlled from within rather than relegated to the outside. But I mean, you listen, this is what they said, that this is what the universal Catholic Church accepts and what she ought to shun. Thank you. Amen. And then for the next about 1,300 years, kept anyone except the very highest-level priests and, (laughs) get this, the astrologers, were the ones who could read the texts. Other than that, it was totally passed down from the top. And over those 1,300 years, it became amazingly corrupt. You think it's bad what's come out in the last 20 or 30 years of what's been happening for our lifetime in the Catholic Church. Well, it goes all the way back, and there were wars, there were invasions of countries, there were just all kinds of human indignities in the name of the Lord. Now, let's get back to Watts, because he has another point, and this is back on the spiritual side, that you think, okay, so the Christians now, or the Jews, the Christians and the Jews believe that the material that they have as their sacred documents Are inspired by God. Of course, the Jews don't accept the New Testament, Christians accept both, but the Hindus believe the Vedas are divinely inspired, just as much as a Christian or a Jew believes their texts are. Muslims believe the Quran is divinely inspired. Some Buddhists believe their sutras are divinely inspired, and the Japanese believe the same of the Shinto. So, who's going to settle this? That's the point. And he made the argument that because all of this came from human vehicles, there is highly likely to be distortion from that vehicle. And then, of course, what I've always thrown in and said here is that if you look how the Catholics deify everything, people, places, items, etc., that they then created Jesus to be the greatest of all the deification. They needed a top, the best, the biggest, the king, etc. So they pedestalized Watts used, the word. I love that word. They pedestalized Jesus to be the ultimate, as I say, adult Santa Claus. And then they wrote these documents to fit that narrative. And they did that brilliantly. But that is what I believe happened. And in so doing, he says, this is another great point, they created an impossible religion. In other words, saying, you, I, we are all miserable sinners. Because of that sin, we are going to hell. But the church holds the keys to our redemption Follow what they say. Give a little money here, a little money there. We'll come wave some rights over you when you die, and all will be well. Your soul will get to heaven. So powerful the message that nations around the world have been controlled by this for 2,000 years. And here's where you'll hear applause in the recording when he said that Christianity institutionalized guilt as a virtue— under it, you will always be aware of your shortcomings. That's why you have to go to confession. I wounded Jesus. I grieved the Holy Spirit. And we do it over and over and over. Now, I want to step aside from this for a second because this is a really good point. Hemant and I were skiing up at Snowmass one day. And we encountered some friends there that were all sitting around having some drinks afterwards. He and I didn't drink at the time, so we just went and joined the conversation. And it turned metaphysical. It turned to talking about spirituality. So here's an apres, ski, outdoor, patio, table thing, big group around, and we're talking about spiritual stuff. And him and I are pretty much on the same page And this one person, as the conversation progressed, said, oh, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, you can have all of that, but don't take away my heaven. She was afraid that somehow we were going to make heaven a non-existent thing. Well, Fred wrote and I narrated the levels of heaven and hell. So if you'd like to check that out, if you haven't already, and this is something you're interested in, Fred did an amazing job of talking about that. And you can see that he created basically seven different levels of each. And basically those levels correlate to levels of energy. No mind games or political control or spiritual control there. I mean, you just step into what you exited out from. That's why it's important to choose your energy carefully. So nobody's taking away your heaven here. But here's what Watts said, and I think this is great that Jesus was a human being who had an early-in-life cosmic consciousness experience, an experience that you and I and Fred and everybody else can have. It is not relegated or privileged to anyone. It can hit anytime, anywhere. He gave the analogy of like falling in love. It can fall down out of the sky. And when it hits you, you know it. And in the context of that consciousness, Jesus was a powerful son of God who came to open people's eyes that we are powerful sons of God too. It is the I am in us, the divine in the creation. And the true path in our life is that we manifest the divine through our humanity. And that was what Jesus came to teach. And that was what was stripped away. And as Watts said, became a form of celestial monarchy. That's exactly what it is. Here's another great line. He said, so it became a freak religion, like Jesus as a freak. Well, that's pretty good. I mean, I say Jesus as Santa Claus, but the real message is the union with the divine. And really, even if you strip away all the veneer around this message and you get to Jesus' death on the cross, and even if you carry it through to the resurrection and the ascension, and the, uh, John 3.16, "...for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life." We're back to union with the divine. We just got there from different ways. One is a more pure message. One is a more veneered message. Controlled. Celestial monarchy. So this is the point, is you can throw out the celestial monarchy. You can throw out the veneer. You can throw out the control. You can throw out all the stuff that they, and get back to the original message that this man came. This man encountered a high level of energy, Gee, you know anybody uh, who's been a frequent guest on this podcast who kind of says the same thing, who uh, wrote a book about it in 2009 and let me narrate it in 2013? Yeah, union with the divine. That's the high levels of energy. So that's what we're about, just realizing that we were indeed. Genesis chapter 1, we were created by Elohim, multiple gods in the image of Yahweh, one true source. And our journey here on the highest spiritual level is to return and reconnect with that source and then to allow that source to flow through us. Speaking of Fred Dodson, and I'll close with this, I'm currently narrating Essays of Reality Creation, Book 7. And it was chapter 19, 20, 21, and through there, where Fred quoted a verse from the, chapter of, from, a, from the book of Mark in the Bible about Jesus getting in the boats with the disciples to go across the Sea of Galilee, and a storm came up, and the boat started to rock, and the disciples were afraid that they were going to die, that they were going to tip over and drown in the lake. But Jesus was in the back of the boat asleep. So they woke him up, and they said, Master, we are perishing And Jesus looked at them and just was like, when are you going to get it? So he commanded the storm and the wind to be still, and they obeyed. Then he turns to the disciples and says, why did you wake me up? Why did you not take care of that yourselves? You have the power. And that's the message here. The message is from our healing convergence. You have the power. We collectively have the power. We just don't use it. We don't call on it. We don't command in the name of the Most High. Follow what Jesus did. We had a guy on this podcast way, way back. I forget his name. He's gone now. He passed away in the last couple of years during the COVID time, I believe. And he basically said, look at what Jesus did not the interpretations around it. And one of the closest places you could probably get to the truth of Jesus is when he talked to his followers in that kind of way to try to show them and get them to sense that they were fully capable of doing everything that he could do. And that's a verse in the Bible. Fourth Gospel of John 14, verse 12 Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he or she do, because I am going to the Father. There's the union. There's the example. It's unfortunate that that word in is there in the interpretation, but see, this is where it gets uh, doctored, because the Greek would have said, whoever believes me, or simply whoever believes. If you believe, then you will do greater works, if you choose, because you are one with the Father, with Source. In fact, if you take the words as they are written in sequence in the Greek, it says this, Truly I say to you, the one believing in me, the works that I do, also he will do, And greater than these he will do because I, to the Father, am going. That's it. I am connecting with Source. You can too. Starting now. Wow. Thank you for listening. And I hope you powerfully enjoy the journey because that's one trip you want to catch on. I'm Thomas Miller. We'll see you next time.